Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Back to Truck Up podcast. I'm James Rooster Bow, and I'm here with Justin Super Trucker Martin. And this week, we have a very long-awaited special guest. Before we get started, I want to thank OTR Solutions for sponsoring this podcast. They're factoring programs and solutions to take and supporting truck companies to a whole new level. I can do a whole podcast everything these guys bring to the table and the success stories that have come from working with them. But for now, head on over to otrsolutions.com slash btu learn more connect with our dedicated btu onboarding team folks we'll have to go around the country and you know last few weeks we've talked to people from the west coast to the southwest to the east coast down in the virginia area now we're going up to the big town big apple new york new jersey port system and who better talk about it than one of the main people out there on the internet bringing up is the situation the issues to the forefront Ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Sadea Morris of Pink Transportation Incorporated is here with us today. Sadea, how are you doing this lovely morning? Good morning, guys. I am fine. It's beautiful out here, and I'm ready to roll come Monday morning. Ah, awesome, awesome. So, uh, Sadea, the reason we called you on to the Back to Truck Up podcast today is we kind of want to get to know you, your history, how you started your company. Uh your work with the women in trucking initiatives and also uh, the situation with the port drivers at the, the ports are only getting worse. You know, we've had the strikes over on the West coast. We had the, the HUD protest down in Houston. Uh, we recently had the, the actions over at the port of Baltimore by the truck, the truckers for justice movement. So uh, kind of let's start off with uh, your background a little bit. So I am 29. I have been in the transportation industry since I was 16 and have been driving and have opened my company up in 2020. So it's been about two years since I've been on the road. Awesome. I mean, uh, for, for somebody so young already being a business owner, I mean, it's, there are a lot of uh, pressures on you, not only just to be a truck driver, but also as a company owner. Oh, yes. It's, it's a ton of responsibility. Uh, you definitely have to be a, a quite bit organized. I have Wi-Fi in my truck to keep me up with everything that I need to know. And, uh, you know, besides, besides from hauling the containers in and out of the ports and running my company to the, to, the, to the T that I can, I also do a lot of advocacy for the port truckers, not just in New York and New Jersey, but around the United States. Yeah. Uh, just to sidetrack a small bit, you know, I don't know why modern day trucks can have some sort of built in cellular Wi-Fi connection system. I mean, that's how they want us to work. You know, what I had to do when I was running over the road is I had to buy a, uh, you know, one of those the small commercial grade Wi-Fi units. And I luckily looked up on a grandfathered AT&T unlimited Wi-Fi plan, which, you know, I, I kind of just uh, decided to let go here recently for being a fool, but you know, it, it wasn't that bad. You know, it was only $70, $85 a month, but I had unlimited Wi-Fi. Yeah, it was 3G speed, but, you know, I was able to do anything I wanted to. I was able to teleconference on it, book my loads, run my truck. I, I just don't see, you know, this modern day, why we can't just have, you know, unlimited Wi-Fi, not, you know, 5 gigabytes, 10 gigabytes a month. I mean, God, you'll run through that in an hour on watching a movie or something. But... Back to the main point. Uh, so you have your full authority. You're not uh, technically a lease operator. You're a full owner operator, right? Yes, sir. Full owner operator. Have my own DOT and MC number, and I'm actually 
bringing on a company driver and an owner operator this upcoming week. Whoa, moving on up in the world, going from a company owner to fleet owner. <laughs> you know, I just want to be able to give people better opportunities. Awesome, awesome. So uh, how difficult was it getting your USDOT and your MC DOT? You know, filing the paperwork, that was the easy part. But what people don't really talk about is staying compliant and keeping your authority active. Because if you <laughs> mess up and you don't, if you don't file your paperwork, you know, you know, just to say like, you know, you're, you're, if the, it could be suspended, you know, you could forget your UCR filings. It's, it's very hard to stay compliant. So that's why you have to make sure that you're organized. Yeah. Uh, are you doing this all yourself or are you using uh, some sort of consulting service uh, company to help you watch your back office? So majority of the paperwork I do file myself, but when I know that I can't handle it, I do have a woman that I go to and she's, she's great. She's actually uh, one of my really good friends and she has her own trucking business with her husband. So she takes care of me when I need her. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember who I follow a lot of truckers, you know, obviously, but uh, I can't remember if it was uh, Black Mustang or Trucker Brown that, that recently put a video that a lot of drivers were freaking out. You know, why is DOT coming after me? Why is FMCSA coming after me? And a lot of drivers don't realize once you file your paperwork to get your MC dot and your DOT number, about 90 days, they are going to come a knocking to do a what they call an introductory audit to make sure you are doing your work right. Uh, how hard was it for you to, to handle your first audit? I'm going to be honest. I have not had an audit yet, and I'm kind of, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. What? I have not. <laughs> I kid you not. I have not. You, wow. Mm -hmm. Usually about the 90-day mark, they'll send you this nice little email and say, hey, we want to check you out make sure you're doing all right but you haven't had your door knocked on yet no nope nope and knock <laughs> wow. on what i don't knock on what i don't anytime soon because i'm so busy with work <laughs> <laughs> but yeah must well, be short staffed just like everybody else because of yeah COVID. well a big well big government they're off doing other things they shouldn't be doing but whatever but <laughs> well how long but, ago but, were these drivers complaining about uh being audited was this recently actually or like about two months ago it was like two oh, okay. months ago. Yeah, so I, I reckon they do it in waves now, you know, but it, yeah, it's that not that sense. hard. They send you an email, it goes to the FMCSA website. You just, you know, they just want your paper. It's just equivalent to a digital pullover inspection. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, guess what? Everybody gets on the road. They get the bank of the big money. They forget <laughs> what they're supposed to, their responsibilities. And guess what? It bites them in the butt. And, you know, and they... Have to sit on the side of a road for a couple of days. Everything gets straightened out, and they learn what they're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, like I said, I'm praying and hoping. <sighs> you know what? Someone probably <laughs> saw my company and was like, oh, she's doing so much good for the industry. Let me just give her a pass for a few months. Just <laughs> I'm sure a trip to the White House so, didn't have so anything to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Recently, you had the opportunity to go visit the White House and uh, visit the Biden administration. How did that how did that start off? Uh, you know what? So it just happened to just come along. Like, you know, just I don't even know how they thought of 
me coming. You know, out of all the all the trucker <laughs> advocates in the world, little old Sadea from Newark, New Jersey. But you know, when I got when I got the phone call, because I'm also a part of Truckers Movement for Justice, the truckers that actually shut down the ports of Baltimore. They are a sector of us. Yeah. And um I, I guess, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I heard of you through the grapevine. So when I got that email from the White House, I was like, no way. And then I called everyone else up and everyone got their invites as well. Wow. So what's the actual process like? Of Were you at the White House just as yourself or did you have your truck with you? Like, oh, I, what was what was that If I could have, and by the way, I called my truck Appa. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Avatar I'm, pretty you know young but i called my truck appa yeah and um <laughs> if i could have had him there i would have but you know we just had to come as ourselves yeah i imagine for security reasons they don't want any other uh <laughs> vehicles in the area <laughs> imagine that you know i come in and i just pop pink smoke everywhere can you imagine that <laughs> <laughs> who all did you get to meet there was it was it just like a big glad hand situation where you just go in shake hands and say goodbye or did you actually get to like sit down and talk to anybody so we did not get to sit down and and talk but we did get to tour uh part of the white house before we got to the lawn and um you know we mingled talked to some politicians and um we did hear mr biden he he spoke um a woman that works with an fi i believe she was a you know a new driver she spoke she told her story which was amazing and i hope she's doing well and then, you know, after that, we got to mix and mingle and, and just talk with everyone over there. Yep. Would you do it again or um, was it kind of like a, just, you know, a wasted opportunity, do you think? I don't think it was a wasted opportunity. I do wish that, <laughs> I, I I wish they would have uh, let a normal, I, I don't even want to say a normal trucker almost, you know, because what is a normal trucker? But just someone like us. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they would have let someone like us that's in the industry that is actually struggling that's not with a major corporation speak and just let the world know exactly what we're going through and what we're fighting for because i do feel like there's a lot of over overshadowing with the major corporations and organizations within the trucking industry well usually when you have these situations you have the ata the american trucking associations involved and you know they're going to hand pick everybody make sure they're uh, viewpoints being shown so yes yeah we really need we really need to have more of a uh you know national association of small trucking companies oida viewpoint put out there too you know for the balance out the, the the picture of everything of course of course and one thing that i have uh noticed within the past uh, few months I've noticed that there are a lot of supply chain experts that have never even been inside of a port, but somehow <laughs> mm -hmm. they know somehow everything, know everything, everything about it. But can't tell you how to take an empty off empty off a chassis and and help us get moving over here. You know, so yeah, that's that's or what's uh, a pyramid exactly. lock? Yeah, uh, um, it, it's like. The tr Department of Transportation, you know, all the subcommittees to handle trucking and airport work and all that. How many of these people actually have a CDL? Exactly. Does a city member of Congress have a CDL? I mean, we got doctors and too many lawyers for my taste, but I mean, how many are actual... They're nothing but lawyers as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, it's like it's like 99% lawyers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's... <laughs> You know what the thing is, is that um, I've had some 
some really good luck, if, if that's what you want to call it. But my congressman in my district actually happens to be, um, he actually happens to run the transportation division over here in the Northeast, Congressman Payne. And from one conversation that I've had with him months back, it was like, just, you know, just a basic introduction. And from there, it was just like, oh, wow, did I screw it up? Because it's been like months now. I haven't heard from this man. But then after that, he, you know, <laughs> called me. <laughs> and he invited me to, you know, different places to speak. He invited me back to Washington, um, D.C. for his event. And, you know, from there, I spoke. I, you know, I, I gave my testimony and the things that other port truckers and truckers are going through. And I, I let them know. I said, you know, you guys are involved with construction. But if you guys are getting materials imported from across seas or having it picked up from Texas and hauled all the way over here for your projects, that was done with a trucker. So we need to make sure that the needs of the truckers are met and we can't forget them because we're always forgetting them. And everyone, they actually open up their eyes. And, you know, I have a lot of people messaging me now. It's overwhelming, but, you know, it has to be done. <laughs> yeah, most people don't realize just exactly what all it takes for the stuff that they use every day to reach them. You know, I always joke about the the talking point of oh, the my food comes from the grocery store, but most people don't realize that it, it, there's a lot of hands along the supply chain that takes to you know get the food there. Exactly. A lot of tr and a lot of trucks. Exactly. And you know, it's not so much for me because I, I I know a lot of people are like, oh yeah, you you talk about the truckers, but what about the farmers? What about the warehouse workers? And I, and I I tell them I'm like, you know, I cannot advocate for everyone. Though I feel awful for some of the things that, you know, they go through the long hours, you know, not getting paid. But, you know, I, I just I have to speak from a trucker's point of view. And that's where I come from. Well, exactly. that, that is so important <laughs> because just just like with people in Congress or people in political office, you know, having these ideas about things they know nothing about. We're not in that industry. And so we wouldn't even know the first thing to advocate for, you know, a warehouse worker. And we might have some ideas, but they would know yeah. more about what they need than we exactly. do. Exactly. Uh, switching switching gears here for a minute. We all, we we always hear about companies having a hard time hiring drivers, and you're switching from an owner operator to now a fleet operator. Uh, how hard has it been for you to find uh, drivers? Oof, it has been hard, and let me tell you, this is he's <laughs> actually going to be my second company driver. I've and I'm a nice person, but the first guy I hired, I had to fire him unfortunately because. He didn't. He didn't want to work, and all the work that I was getting was so easy. It was like, <laughs> it was like, it's like, come on! All you got to do is drop in hooks and occasionally, you know, sit for a delivery, which is like twenty minute unload because palletized. And you know, every day he just wanted to leave out at you know one two o'clock in the afternoon after starting from eight o'clock in the morning. And it's kind of like you know, buddy, it's it's Ugh. not working out. It's not. <laughs> so you know, I got to let you go. And I was like the hardest thing I ever had to do because I even asked my best friend, I said, girl, can you fire him for me? Because <laughs> I don't want to do it. <laughs> I, that's kind of one of the reasons I didn't want to like go, you know, uh, go full, full, I guess, I don't want to say full compliant because I was already compliant, but you know, get my DOT and all that. I, I, I can't, I could not be able to fire somebody. I, I, her, I would be too much thinking about their family and their children and yeah. how they're how they're going to make their means. You know, that's yeah. It takes another another way. No, I don't know how to say it, but you know, it's kind of hard to pull the, the 
you know, tell somebody they're fired, you know, I, I couldn't do it that. Is, it is. But one, one thing that I learned and I'll be honest and my uncle would always say better than the me, you know, but for me, it's kind of exactly. like, you know, mm. he has a family to feed either way. If he works or not, I still have to pay this man, but I can't pay him if I'm not generating enough revenue. So, you know, I gave him multiple chances and it just can't, it just became to the point where it's just like, you know what, buddy, you gotta go. <laughs> and it's, it's like, he's getting paid really good too. Really good. Yeah. You can't just be completely unreasonable, but yeah, if you're giving people chances and they're still screwing it up, yeah. you know, sorry, you gotta go. We had the same problem in the postal service where it's really hard to fire people except on your first 90 days. You're, you're really vulnerable in the, in your, in your first 90 day probationary period. And so that's what they tell everybody is like, you know, get, just get through your 90, get through your 90 and then you're, you're golden. And that's the only time I've ever seen people actually get fired was they did something wrong within their first 90 days. And when I was a supervisor uh, for six months, uh, I had to let two guys go because they, one guy (laughs) fell asleep in the truck on the dock and the post office, I was waiting on the mail from him. They're calling me screaming like, where's our mail? Where's our mail? And I, text the guy and i was like hey man everyone's waiting for your mail what's going on and he texts back oh sorry fell asleep oh my goodness at least at least use a better excuse (laughs) yeah i'm still waiting for my stimulus check it's probably never it's it's probably your fault (laughs) (laughs) probably probably oh my goodness we 2020 was people just don't i have photos and just video from like the hell that we had to go through that that christmas season and by April, we were finally digging our way out of all the mail that had piled up in the in the in the plant that I worked at in Philadelphia, and we were finding parcels and letters from November that were like two day, three day delivery in like March and April. Oh my goodness! It was it was it was that bad. Twenty twenty one piece of cake. Volume completely fell off a cliff, and it was super easy. I was expecting another another repeat because. As you were saying earlier, it's really hard to find workers right now, and they were dealing with the same issue in the postal service. They just either they weren't hiring people, or the people they were hiring just weren't sticking around. And so we were just as short staffed as the year before, and uh, actually last year went a lot smoother. That's awesome. That that really is. I yeah. tell me, I'm still waiting for it. It's probably never coming. <laughs> so you have what two drivers now, or you're still just the one? Well, uh, they're going to be starting. Uh, this week. So it's going to be one company driver. He's going to jump into my truck and then the owner operator has his own truck. Mm, so he's doing the whole lease operating yes. thing. What do you, <laughs> what are the, so from the business side, you know, we always hear about drivers complaining about, you know, how they're getting ripped off with the lease operator model. What are you, what do you see as the benefits being on the company side? Well, you know, it, as far as the benefit, you know, for myself, it'll definitely help me to be able to protect some of, you know, my assets, which was, which would be my money. Uh, obviously right now I, I, I could pretty much get another truck to hire a company driver, but with the prices of everything, it just doesn't make any sense for me to go out and purchase one. So it'll yeah. be, it's, it's better off for me right now to use owner operators just to save me the headache, but it's also beneficial for the owner operators because they'll be able to get the loads that they can't essentially get on their own. And they're getting better paying loads with working with me. So I'm super transparent about everything. Otherwise, you know, I'd be a pretty crappy advocate. My guys will get the freight bill, 
you know, they'll, they'll see the rate, what it is. And, you know, we just take it from there. Yeah. I worked for Landstar for three years. That's a, I would share probably a completely different business model than what today is up to, but yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Let's change. Uh, let's. Okay. So now let's move into your advocacy with the women in trucking, you know, trucking is very male dominated industry. And, you know, there's been this push recently to get some more women into business, you know, try to ba- uh, remove some of the quote unquote toxic masculinity that's in trucking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing here recently to, to work on this initiative? So I, I know uh, women in trucking there. It's like a, it's like a real organization. And although I have not done directly work, directly work, uh, direct work with that organization, I have sat at the same table um with the founder for it with you know different conferences she was even at um at the white house with me and i I would love to talk to her even more and do some collaboration but over here on the on the east coast being that i'm like connected with the congressman and the mayor and the surrogate and the city council they have initiatives to get uh not only adults but kids into the industry so whoever has stepped in and they said hey we've needed help with this they have directed them my way and I have pretty much you know wrote everything out for them and it was like this is what you need to do this is how you do it this is how you keep safe you know if you need training you can go here so you know that's pretty much from what I'm doing I did sign up for a women's board in trucking um with the FMCSA, but I haven't heard anything back from them, so I'm not sure where they're moving along with that. Yeah, and it's one of the one of the weird things, you know. Everybody thinks, well, a, a woman can't do this job, a woman can't do that job. There's women box truck drivers, there's women refrigerated mm-hmm. drivers, there's women flatbed drivers, there's you know women in tanker service. I mean, I, I've not seen anything a a guy could do that a, a woman can't do. Really, you know, there's you know, maybe some very specialized freight where, you know, you need to be pretty strong to handle the material. But in that case, they usually have power equipment. You know, they usually have a powered power at the jack, got a forklift. I mean, I don't, I don't see why the, this whole gender bias has to be in trucking. I mean, it, it's pretty much an, an even playing field if you want to do it. You know, a lot of people just don't want to get out. Well, like you said earlier, they get the job. It's not that hard. They just don't want to work. Exactly. And, you know, that's exactly what's what's wrong with, with our country now. It's, a lot of people don't want to work. And it's sad. You know, trucking is definitely a career in my eyes. It's It's not just a job. You know, I came from working at a job for a trucking company and I made a career out of it. So I have nothing but respect for the other men and women that are in the industry doing what they do, whether it's from, you know, hosting podcasts or creating organizations for other truckers. I have nothing but respect for it. But, you know, as far as the gender situation, <laughs> that's, uh, ooh, you know, it's not even just in trucking. It's in our everyday lives where someone has something to say, whether it's about male, female, or I don't want to say it because I don't know if I can say it, but it's it's just... If you want to do it, you can do it. And you're right. There are some things yeah. that, you know, will require special special handling and special equipment. I tried flat flat um flatbeds for a week and I never did it again a day in my life because I just couldn't do it. Same you here. You know, like <laughs> never. 
tarpon tarpon is yeah no yeah thank you. you know it's <laughs> that's that's rough work uh i actually had probably one of the worst tarpon jobs i i, I used to haul a, a sod and grass sprigs and it's like climbing into a pit of, of those ball pits at the at, at the chuck e cheese's every single time because you got to take that 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 felt top put it on top of the box and it's like putting a a, a fitted sheet on a mattress you got to drag it all the way and walk all the way through all these springs oh, and get this thing on and then get off the flatbed you know that's always a fun job you know jumping off four or five feet in the air with no no net <laughs> i had one guy he loved harping and the way he broke it down to me was just the math of it because he's like i can i can charge on the bill of lading you know a hundred to two hundred dollars for the tarping job and he breaks it down by hour so he's like if i can get the tarp on in half an hour you know i've just made 200 bucks an hour basically oh that's awesome you know but you know all power yeah. to him because nope not doing it ever again yeah, he, can, <laughs> he can have it oh. he can have it <sighs> the only okay so the only thing i can think of that would really separate the genders with truck driving is when you have like a stuck fifth wheel pin or like a tandem slide you know even even a guy you know it doesn't matter if you if you got a spring that's not working right and you don't have a, a pair of like you know good pliers on you or something to you know sometimes you need you need to you need to help uh pulling a pin on you do you ever get stuck in a situation like that and you know a, a guy's like well of course you know she can't do it i'll have to help but whereas a guy needs help with it it's like sure i'm gonna help out my bro- my fellow brother truck driver so yeah like over here in the ports, um, you know, we get a lot of rusty boxes, doors that <laughs> won't oh, yeah. open yeah. or close, you know. And one thing that I have learned over here, even though they call us, you know, peer rats, you know, they say we never help each other. But what I've learned mm. is that the men, they'll watch you and they'll try, they'll, they'll see if you can do it on your own, but they'll walk up to you and they'll say, hey, you need help. Or they'll reach over you and they'll just do it fast. And then while I'm going to go get my ticket um, scanned, they'll close the doors up for me. You know, it's it's a very fast paced environment, but people are not as selfish as, you know, others make it seem. It's definitely a brother, brotherhood, sisterhood type of industry. It really is. No matter how bad, you know, people try to twist that around. I see more good than bad. Yeah, that's always that's always been my my um, my experience as well. Glad, glad to hear it's the same for you. There's still gentlemen out there, you know, that'll watch, you know, and help you out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, and it's the industry's not full of stuck ups. I mean, there, there's still guys out there that if you need a hand, we'll jump out the truck, you know, and you know that's the kind of way it should be. You know, we're all out here, all out here working together, Absolutely. and we don't want to see anybody get hurt. I, I, 110 percent agree. You know, there has been times where I have gotten to deliveries, and I've, I've sat and I've, I've watched a man, a, a, a man try to alley dock and couldn't fail so many times and it's like mm. you know i i jumped out the truck when he was like i had his fifth try his fifth pull up and i'm like you know because i'm i'm running late at this point and it's like you know we gotta go. we gotta <laughs> go so i'll hop out and before anything you know i would just say hey look straighten out your wheel look at your tail and look where you want to go and don't overcut your wheel so much well there's like 10 like 10 men just sitting there watching him laughing and, and filming you know it's it, it takes me to help out. Yeah, to help yeah. And then when he can't do it, it's like, all right, but now I'm really late. Move over to the passenger seat and watch me do it. 
And it is just like, look, look at how I'm doing it. Look at how I'm going. Take your time. Don't overcut. And then, you know, when I'm leaving out, you know, I'm, he's trying to tip me and pay me. It's like, no, what are you doing? It's like, I'm just trying to help you. That's all. No need for pay. It is what it is. And they have to learn to do it on their own as well, too. Yes. You know, they're not going to learn anything if someone's doing it for them all the You're time. You're right. It's just like a child. Just like a child. But I do feel like, you know, there are some truckers that are coming into the industry under tra- undertrained. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, well, really coming from what? Four or five of the major carriers I've worked for. It's all, can you hold a steering wheel? Can you run an e-log? That's all he wants you to know. Do you have a pulse? Yeah. Basically, do you have a pulse? <laughs> do you weigh enough to do? Do you weigh it enough to hold the seat down in the truck? Then that's it. I mean, they some of the some of the companies are doing better in teaching their drivers. You know, much most of the big mega carriers now have driving schools where they do put you through. You know, two weeks of course training. You know, but running an obstacle course and running in a real life situations too as a whole different can of beans. Absolutely. At Schneider, they had, you know, the simulators that they, that they put us in and they had two two different kinds of simulators. There was like the computer graphics ones. And then there was like the mechanical ones that taught you like how to shift. The ones that taught you how to shift were great, but the best experience was just, they threw you in a truck and they made you drive around Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, my first trip out, my instructor and I, we ran into uh, a cop was pulling somebody over. There was a vehicle on fire, like a couple blocks later. Um, there was like a small kids parade and then there was like some kind of marching band for the practice. And I, and I made a joke with him. I was like, I didn't know you guys were pulling all the stops out for me. And he's like, Oh yeah, we, uh, we bribed the whole town for this. <laughs> yeah. He was joking of course, but like, you're not going to, you're not going to get stuff like that. You know, just sitting in the classroom. You have to really actually go out there and, and drive the truck. I agree. I agree. If you haven't gone to otrsolutions.com slash BTU yet, here's your reminder. Not sure how to say it, but factoring these guys just makes sense. They're focused on driving your success and helping you grow your company. They've gone as far as offering custom business email address setups so you can negotiate better rates with brokers. There's just so much opportunity out there, and OTR is your ticket to success. So head on over to otrsolutions.com slash BTU and check out their solutions. So what, um, not to really put any of these companies on blast, you know, what, what companies do you think are doing it right, and which ones do you think aren't really taking care of the drivers as far as like the tr- early, early on training goes. Well, uh, so metropolitan and um, it's crazy because we actually park, park in the same lot with each other. They, um, there was a guy, he was trying to park. So it was, it was horrible. And his trainer was right there in the passenger seat. The trainer did not get out. Not one time. He kept his phone, his head down, looking at the phone while the guy was just take like just trying his hardest to park in between the trailers and you know i did I, I had to get out like i had to go i had to go pick up my kids so i'm like oh man so i i looked at where he was trying to park at and i said you're not getting in there i said why don't you go to the next one over it's, it's bigger you know you have more space to pull up you can adjust yourself and then you know he kept trying and it's i went back to my car trainer is still inside just looking at his phone and i got back out the car again i walked up to him i said how long have you been driving and he's like not long. And I said, okay, no problem. So, you know, I just took my time and I, I guided him. And I'm like, the biggest thing that you need to do is that if you can't see where you're going, get out and look. That is gold. Oh, get out yeah. and look. Oh, yeah. Yes. And so, you know, we came, we walked. I said, no matter what, you need to make sure that you're closest to whatever side you're parking on because that way you can gauge it and you'll know that you're not going to hit it. 
So it, it took about, about, I would say like 40 to 45 minutes, but he eventually got in and I'm just like, wow, I feel so bad that you're with that trainer because what I was doing, the trainer should have been doing. He should have been out guiding you and just helping you. And he didn't. As far as companies that's doing it right, some of the port companies over here, I would say red trucking over here. They're doing it right. I see that they send guys uh, with their new truckers to the ports, which is, a, I think it's amazing because I don't think any trucker should go to the port by themselves fresh from school. I did. Absolutely. I almost got myself killed and probably almost killed a straddle because I didn't know what to do, you know? Yeah, it's it's nothing it's nothing like going into like a warehouse or a Kimberly Clark facility somewhere. I mean, there's tons of moving That's equipment, so much stuff happening. Mm-hmm. You have no idea where to go. And the, the instant you're lost or you're slowing things down, everybody's pissed at you. Oh, yeah. And, you know, each and every port that's over here, they have a different operating system. So where's the yeah. Mar terminal? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to back in. But with APM, like, you could just pull right in. And it, it's just, it's so different. So I highly, I'm... I'm for safety, and I think that everyone should be trained before going to the ports. Have you I, ever been down to uh, Philadelphia, the Packer Terminal? I have not, but one of my good friends is a longshoreman there. Yeah, it, it's it's a zoo. That's really? all I can say. Oh man, I don't want to go. <laughs> I was I was there. I was I was there for two months, and yeah, it was rough. Oh, I want to go. You think it's worse than New Jersey? Yeah, I've never been to Jersey, so I can't say. But it's a it's not very big. It's just it's got the same problems that all the other ports do: long lines, long wait periods. Um, if you're hauling for a company that pays per trip, it's really out of your control how much you're making that day because things might be going smoothly that day and you're making a ton of money and then you come in the next day and every single chassis you pick up has a flat tire or, you know, the stevedores are pissed off at somebody today so they're just doing a, a work slowage. You know, it's it's completely out of oh, your man, control. And that that was that was the stuff I couldn't I couldn't ta- I couldn't I couldn't take. That's horrible. Speaking of chassis, did you guys know that someone stole my trailer and recently stole my chassis? Yeah. No. Yep. That's how it is over here. And literally in a pot in the lot that I'm parking, it's only about three companies. And I asked the specific company because they've taken my chassis before. I said, man, did you take my chassis? Because I need it. My driver's was waiting in the yard. He said, I didn't take it. I didn't take it. Swore, swore by it. He kept my chassis for two weeks and the yard eventually called me and they were like, your chassis just came back. I said, who had it? Mm-hmm. And he was like, you already know who took it. I said, Eagle? He said, yeah. And I said, you know what? I got a couple of extra locking pins. I think some containers need to go into per diem for them. You know? It, it, it sounds bad, but it's like I lost a lot of money dealing with them. It's horrible. How, what about, have you looked into like um, like air tags or anything? Actually, like yes, I did this weekend when I was in South Carolina. I did. I, I did get some. But you know what? I kind of just want to, he needs to feel the pain that I felt with that lost chassis. He does. <laughs> <laughs> Hell hath no fury like uh, Sadea scored. I know. All, he's going to come in and like <laughs> all 50 of his boxes is going to have like pin locks on it. <laughs> like, can you imagine that? <laughs> mm. have, have fun with that. That's My all goodness. I can say. But no, it's a, it's a constant thing over here with the spilling of the chassis. And um, what they don't realize is that, you know, the chassis, I took it out underneath my interchange and he knows that. So essentially you're putting my business at risk, you know, but these, they don't care. Is this a long going issue with with the equipment shortages, or is this recent uh, because of COVID? No, it's it's definitely it's gotten worse with COVID, and I'm not sure if it's because you know they're not really um, doing any manufacturing, but there are thousands of chassis just stacked up collecting dust because they can't get fixed, don't have the parts, and just 
I don't want to say they don't have the labor because the guys are there working, but one, it's like gold when you get a chassis from the depot. It's like gold. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. When I, so it was 20, 2014, I think, when I was there. And yeah, I mean, they had plenty of equipment, but you're right. Yeah. Unless all the guys were working there that day, you know, you could be sitting around for a while because one guy would be working on three other chassis at the, t- at the, at the time. So it really, it doesn't matter how many people you got. If you have a stack of chassis, you know, it's still going to take a ton of guys working on them to, uh, to get it moving. Of course. It's, I recently did apply for a, um, a chassis lease contract. So I'm waiting to hear back from these guys. Hopefully, you know, I get approved and I'm able to grab like at least like five to 10 chassis because then that'll make my life so much easier. No, these are chassis that you'll have on hand or is it like from a pool and you have to go out and, and get them? the chassis now they're from the pool, but, uh, with the contract, they'll be brand new. I'll go pick them up and, um, you know, they'll, they'll be mine for the long-term lease. You got to paint them pink. Oh man. Yeah, that's what I'm going to ask. <laughs> see, see, that's how, that's how you brand them things that way. They know you're they're yours. The, brand them. The yeah. That, and that's how, that's how you, that's how they don't get stolen. Is it? They're bright. You pink. know, if, if I could put my face on it, I would put my face on it. I'm not even, I'm so serious. I'm so serious. I've even thought about putting my face on my truck. You know, why not? You know, it's mine, but because you never, Hey, you know, Sean Parks done it. Sean Parks done it with his truck. I mean, God, he put like a 10 foot tall wrap on him of him, you know, on that. I can't remember. It wasn't the LSU truck, but it was one he done. But geez, I mean, come on, promote yourself. I know it'll be be great, you know. (laughs) Okay, so that's that's actually a really good segue into another topic here with, with branding. You know, you're being a woman, pink trucking, it's a great, great brand. How much would you say that's been helpful to you as far as like stand? Uh, putting yourself out there and standing apart from other other companies oh it has definitely gotten me a lot of looks a lot of recognition even when i'm like on the highway and i'm driving and there's a little girl in a passenger seat and she's looking at my truck and she's like mommy look this there's a pink truck you know and it's just it's it's amazing even with the convoy that um i was able to help organize back in march uh for new jersey strictly for new jersey um it was just (laughs) That I definitely have to put that out there because our convoy was just totally different from every other convoy that was out there. And um, yeah, it was just that definitely got me a lot of looks, a lot of branding. A lot of people wanted to sit down and talk. And, you know, it was, it was it's, it's great. It really is. But at the same time, you know, it does come with, you know, some bad, some bad rep. Also, someone always has something to say. But you know, we we joked around about this company, a lot Lizard no Express, uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a real company, um, based out of California, and he was hiring a driver. Uh, his post on Craigslist went viral because you know, obviously the name, oh and initially people thought it was like a 1099 scam, but they looked up his DOT number and like, no, he's he's like a legit he's company legit and everything. Company, I mean, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it gets better. He's a client of our sponsor, OTR Solutions, and he's a great guy. And so we're we're trying to get in touch with him. But everyone you talk to, it's you, you have it's such a polarized reaction. Everyone's like, everyone's either like that's hilarious, or they're like, Ew. you know, <laughs> absolutely. But you know, it's it's his truck, and he can do whatever he wants with it. I I've guess. seen some some pretty strange names over here as well. Like, um, there's one guy. And I thought I I thought I saw it wrong, but nope, it is called Triple D's. <laughs> and he has a couple <laughs> triple D's on his truck. Yep. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so you're um, out there trying to like, you know, 
let your feathers fly and stand out and everything, and you still got guys like that out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you'd be surprised. <laughs> I mean, yeah. these guys are nuts. But I've um I've definitely ran into a lot of enemies, um, especially with some of the guys. You know, it's kind of like the guys who have tried to do the things that I'm doing, and I'm not knocking them, you know, but they really haven't been able to take their movement anywhere. And, you know, they uh, they hate me. They don't like me. And I've heard it from people like, well, if it was easy, everybody. Yeah, would exactly. It. And it's it's like, man, like, you know, I have my kids. I take time away from my kids to make it better because, you know, if it doesn't get better, it's going to essentially trickle down and it's going to hurt my kids. I'm not going to be able to gain any type of revenue to take care of them. So that's why I do it. That's why I'm passionate about it. But, you know, there are some people who start advocating and they stop and they feel as though they're not getting anywhere, but it's like, you got to keep going. You know, maybe you were just an inch away from hitting the gold, but you stopped digging. You know, you, you can't do that. You got to keep going. Yeah. Would you recommend your kids getting into truck driving? Oh, absolutely. You know, if it's, if it's, you know, if it's, uh, and I'm not, I hate to say if it's still around because the way things are going, you kind of never know. Um, as far as like, you know, just the trucks and then everyone trying to bring on electric trucks, you just don't know. But I would love for them, you know, to get into trucking. I mean, I trucked up until my ninth month of pregnancy with my daughter and she was in the truck with me probably about, yeah, like a month after I gave birth, I jumped right back in the truck and I just kept going because I love to work. But I would definitely push trucking on them. But then I would just say, hey, you know, do whatever you want to do. It's your life. But just be successful and be happy at whatever you do. Yeah, right now I'll be like, my, my personal opinion, it's, yeah, I'll teach you how to drive a truck, but you know, you know, there's a simulator of games you play on computer that you pretend to drive a truck. You might want to try that too, because you know, it might be some autonomous driving sneaking in here pretty, yeah. pretty quick if some people get their, if some people get their wish. Yeah. Well, so there's 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 all these like surveys and stuff of kids now, like Gen Z, and like the majority of them want to be, you know, Instagram or or, or TikTok influencers when they grow up as a, as their career, and I always say that, you know, having your CDL is like a golden ticket. You know, it really opens the door to all kinds of career paths. And there's plenty of guys and gals out there on TikTok, on Instagram, just pointing a camera at their face in the truck. And, you know, few uh, have a good personality and a good brand. And, you know, you got some cool stuff to see on the road and you put it out there for people to watch. They're going to come watch. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I, I think that's something that a lot of companies aren't really tapping into. You know, they want you know, wave after wave after wave of, of new people that they can just churn through with absolutely zero thought into, you know, keeping them around. And then there is the disconnect between the young people that want to find a way into being, you know, a quote unquote influencer or streamer, whatever you, whatever you want. And like, there's a, there's a great opportunity right there. You know, it's a whole lot different being, you know, sitting on your chair in your computer, in your, in your room with a camera pointing at your face versus being in the, in the cab of a semi with like actual stories you can tell, you know, from, from your job throughout the day. No, you're right. I am. And I know that there are tons of, uh, you know, trucker influencers out there and, you know, people tell me all the time, Oh, you know, you should, you should make your videos. You should create YouTube. You should do this. You should do that. But it's not for me, you know? And it's, it's, it's not something that like, 
oh, yes, I did this. Yes, I did that. You know, occasionally I'll, I'll, you know, post up a story with some music behind it and, you know, a paragraph explaining like, you know, what has taken place for not just for myself, but truckers movement for justice. And it's just, it's just that, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want that. I just want things to get better. That's it. Well, it's okay. So you, you haven't really done like a deep dive into like TikTok or anything? No, not really. That's, that's funny. Cause I, I really think you would be, you would be uh, perfect for it, especially with all the things that you're, you have going on. Um, you know, that, that's a really big thing that people like to tune into now. Like somebody like, so the accounts that I like to follow are, are guys who like, they, they buy their own trucks and they start running under their own authority. And all it is, is just posts about them talking about the, the struggles and everything that they're going through, um, throughout you know, the, the day or the week or whatever. And the best posts are ones where they like, they got to a shipper and they complained about how the broker was screwing them. But then they talked to the shipper directly once they, or the receiver, whoever, once they got there. And now they're running directly with those guys and they're completely bypassing the broker. And like everybody in the comments will be like, yeah, good, you know, good on you. That's the kind of stuff people like to see. I, I think with everything you've got going on, that would be a really good um, uh, draw for an audience. I don't know. I just... <sighs> Goodness. I don't know. I would like for some, if I, w- if I were to do it, I would want someone to like do the videos for me. Cause even though like I was born in 93, <laughs> I feel like I'm like, <laughs> like illiterate. Like when it comes to like TikTok and stuff like that, it's a, uh, you know, I'm at a, I don't know, maybe because I'm doing so much, I feel like I just want some type of peace now. So I'm not even like really into it. Mm. I've actually taken a break on Twitter. I used to post up a lot and I just, I haven't been on. I don't know what it is. Got too much going Probably, on. Probably, you know, especially when we're running the business. It's, if you want a successful business, you got to dedicate yourself. And I am definitely doing that. Yeah. Uh, you see that a lot with like um, on YouTube, like I'll, I'll say, uh, what's a good one here? Real estate YouTubers. You know, they get, they get into real estate, they make their money, and then they start a YouTube channel all about real estate. And then months or years later, their YouTube business is doing better than the real estate business. So that's all they focus on now is, you know, the YouTube instead of the real estate. Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. It's like, yeah. and I don't know of any truck drivers that, that that's happened to yet where they were, were drivers and they became influencers and now they're more focused on the influencing than the, than the driving. But that's, you know, that's always a possibility. And then, you know, I question like what comes next? So <laughs> what are you going to do after you become famous? Exactly. And that's a pitfall that a lot of people, so uh, one of my best friends growing up in high school, that's kind of how his career path went. You know, he was an animator and artist and then kind of stumbled into, into YouTube and big, big channel. And then all the other stuff he was working on just kind of fell away. And now you got to focus on a, a YouTube channel that's cranking out three videos a day forever. You know, that's, that's a lot of work to be putting out. Yeah, I'll stick to advocating <laughs> and writing notes in my in my, <laughs> my notebook. <laughs> uh, How to kill it on TikTok. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about some uh, trucker advocacy, I know you said you're a member of uh, Truckers Movement for Justice. Uh, uh, what's what's that group been uh, working on here lately? You know, we had the Port of Baltimore uh, protest outside of the gate. Uh, was there any plans of uh, doing anything up the coast in New York, New Jersey, or possibly moving over into the Midwest over around the Chicago area? So, yes, with Truckers Movement for Justice, I, I'm not going to say which position I play in it. I, I really, I don't know, like Billy, who's like the head organizer, he always tells me you, you need to be, you know, embrace it. And I, I kind of am just like, whatever. 
but I do play a major role within that organization. We have recently worked with um, some brothers and sisters over in California with the AB5. Uh, we got some meetings um, set up. I actually have to register for it so I can be on it virtual um, just so that way the drivers can get a complete understanding of AB5 and, you know, what other options they have and how they can still progress their um, progress in the industry, in their career. Uh, but um, we went to a railroad, they went to a railroad, railroad workers convention in Chicago. Again, we had the strike over in the ports of Baltimore. And I think we should stay tuned for something that is going to be happening up in the Northeast Coast ports. Can't say what, can't say when, but definitely keep your eyes open for that. Yeah, on no, Monday, uh, the California Truck Association is supposed to go back to court and start the uh, the start back up the fight on AB5, uh, basically going in with the, the Dormant Commerce Clause, which is, you know, uh, part of the Constitution where, you know, a law can't be passed that inter- interferes with interstate commerce, which, you know, AB5 is going to do a lot of that and also some, several other laws in California, but I was just going to say, I, I don't see how, unless you're like a gigantic mega carrier and you can take these hits, I don't understand how anyone as a small to medium-sized business stays in business with all this seesawing back and forth. There's just it so is. much up in it the air is. right now and so many unknowns. And you know, the the biggest thing that, you know, a lot of people are always raving about, especially, you know, during COVID and after COVID, you know, that question about small businesses, you know, what about the small business owners? And it's like, you know, yeah, what about the small business owners? We're not just talking about, you know, the little mom and pop shops, the small bakeries, you know, the small little creative artists, artists, you know, trucking companies, you know, such as I am a small business. I'm I'm not a major corporation. So it's like, you know, when we're talking about laws that are affecting, um, you know, myself per se, just your regular person, your your regular American mother. You know, it's kind of like it's sad because it's where's the protection for the small business owners? There's none. We're we're truly walked over and it's sad. Yeah, I have this vision of California five, ten years from now where there's not going to be any small to medium sized businesses. It's just going to be a handful of gigantic corporations just running everything. Yeah. And not and it's not it's not even like a conspiracy. That's literally just the direction things are going right now. Judge Dredd and Mega City One. <laughs> what's sad is that new jersey always follows in the steps of california i mean dude we don't even have plastic bags over here can you believe that i know i know i so i've been living in jersey now for the last year and a half and i still every time i go into a wawa or you know walmart or something i i'm three steps in the door and i'm like oh crap i left mm-hmm. all my bags at home and so i just i have literally hundreds of like reusable bags at my house because I just, I have to keep buying them every time I go to the store. You should see my closet. And I'm, it's so bad because like I go, I'm going to the store and it's like, I'm seeing cute ones and it's like, Oh man, this will look cute. And I'm just picking it up and then buying it. But it's, and they're not expensive. No. They're, they're It's like 30 cents, 30 cents to 50 yep. cents a piece. It's sad, but I just really hope New Jersey doesn't follow, but I, I can definitely say, you know, um, the truckers were definitely trying to to work on something. I really would like to, and I'm I'm trying to find the time to do it. And I'm I don't know if you guys would know anyone that would want to be interested. Just kind of getting all the major truckers that have a voice in the industry from all over the United States to jump on a call, and we just you know hash out, get to know one another, and just 
you know, just try to speak to each other and just organize on a mass scale. Cause I think that will really be beneficial to us. Yeah. I've always been an advocate for movements like that, but it's really, really hard without any kind of centralized leadership. So one of our previous guests, Richie, um, Richie Resick, he kind of has the same idea where, you know, drivers need to get together and collect and bargain collectively. And that's kind of what I've been able to understand. That's kind of what truckers movement for justice does, but it's, you know, decentralized, but I don't, I don't see how that works if, if there isn't like one, you know, one group together and trying and trying to get that with truck drivers is, is next. Of to course. Impossible. And actually, um, Richie and I, you know, we're really close to each other. We know each other. We like yeah, literally live dude. around the corner from each other. It's, it's crazy. Oh, awesome. I always joke around with him and I tell him, I'm like, dude, this town isn't big enough for the both of us. You got to move. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so we work together on a lot of different things. And it's, I, I totally agree. I do feel like, you know, there should be some point of contact, you know, for the East Coast, for the South, for the Northeast, Southeast, Midwest, you know, there should be. But I, I do strongly believe like if we could Dope. have that first conversation with a ton of us, I think it'll be great. See, here's the problem we you have with trying to trying to decentralize, you know, and place a figurehead. That that figurehead get, can get cut off. Look at what happened with Port of Oakland. The Port Authority is now suing the quote unquote uh, ringleaders of that protest, and uh, also part of California law. You can name a John Doe, Jane Doe, one through ten thousand. And, you know, anybody else that was there, you know, wants to identify you, they could add you, uh, uh, I, I reckon you could say posthumously or whatever you call it, you know, after the fact, and then see you then. That's the problem. If you keep it decentralized and just uh, have the votes, you can have the votes and everything and operate just like a union. But as long as you don't keep a figurehead that, that could be, you know, the head could be cut off the snake. It's real hard for them to stop you, and that's just my personal opinion. Oh yeah. Well, I I also think too that there needs to be multiple groups like this because yeah, there needs to be one for there needs to be one for port drivers. There needs to be one for over the road drivers. There needs to be one for uh you know local guys because what what happens at ports is absolutely nothing like what happens over the road exactly. and vice versa. Yeah. You know you're you're, you're not haul, you're not going to see guys. <laughs> going coast to coast hauling a chassis that's very 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 rare but you know all that stuff has to get to the warehouses and it gets to the warehouses off of the ships onto the chassis and then you know, onto the trucks um yeah something needs to happen because right now things are just completely untenable i mean even the the way things are going here i mean monitoring the stuff through freight waves you know a lot of things are getting to be uh more uh more regional you know there's the the you know, the age of long haul OTR kind of you know, dying out, you know, with the, the way fuel prices are and the rates are. Yeah. And also even just the way people were selecting loads, you know, the, the, the mileage on the loads we're seeing is dropping yeah. like crazy. Yeah. You know, mileage most, is, most guys are mileage. Only doing day trips or day and a half trips. Yeah. Yeah. If I say tweeners is like rolling right now. I mean, it's, it's getting crazy. I, and, and I think that's when you're having something that takes three days to get to where it, where it needs to go. That's a lot of, you know, unknowns that could happen yeah. along that trip. Well, uh, another thing that's happened, you know, you know, it used to be all the freight came into California, then it got hauled across, the, you know, got long haul across the country to the East Coast. Well, since you know, everything's quote unquote too slow in California, everybody's taking a trip through the Panama and coming over to the East Coast. Well, that kills yes. so much of the long haul and turns that into 
day trips yeah. and tweeners and three days, you know? Absolutely. It also leads to congestion at the ports on the East Coast now. Because the East Coast, yeah. you know, they were running the way they were for decades, and now they're being inundated with all this freight that was going to the West Coast. No, you're I mean, you got to... I, I, I looked at it this I looked at it this morning. I, if I'm right, it was like 16 or 18 boats off of Savannah, and Savannah never had boats off its coast. Yeah. You know what's funny? It's 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 like we're getting the, the worst freight over here from California. It's kind of like what are you <laughs> what are you guys even doing operating 24 hours a day? Just like you know, cease your operations is not the case. But what are you gonna do? I wish they'd take uh, the one high boxes back because it's, it's, it's a mess. Oh my god. Uh, so are okay. Are are containers like still stacking up empty around the all over the place, or is it? Is there still like a shortage on them, just like what? the chassis? Oh my god! It's so hard trying to return an empty. It's to the point where I will not even just myself, but carriers like that are like bigger than me. And we've had these conversations on our um port page, where it's like, all right, we're not we're going to refuse CMA boxes, we're going to refuse hot pot boxes, and we won't take them, even though these people are are willing to pay three times the amount for it. It's like, okay, you'll pay three times the amount, but guess what? I'm going to be holding on to that box for the same amount of money that you're paying me for storing it. You know, it's, it's, it's horrible. They will not take the empties back. So it's like a gamble. Hmm. Yeah. I, I know. I kind of noticed in the last year or two, it could be COVID could just be people realizing it's not working, but um, remember like container ship homes or container homes were like a big thing for a while. And then it just kind of like died off. I haven't heard any kind of buzz about them in in well over a year. Yeah. And you know, I, I mean, I would be open to having a container home if I knew someone that can, you know, construct it the right, the right way. I mean, Hey, you know, I'll take a hot pot Lloyd yellow, you know, why not? I like bright colors. So, well, and that's, and that's the key, the key word right there is the right way. Cause so many guys, they'll have a YouTube page where they show off their business and, and, the first thing they do is they they slice a gigantic hole in the one of the walls and people don't realize like those things are corrugated and shaped in a way that like they're holding the whole box together and if you just cut a gigantic chunk out of that well there goes your structural rigidity and you either have to put in a bunch of extra extra stuff there to hold the thing up or just you know, you're only doing it to make it look good for a YouTube video and it's going to fall apart in yep. 6 months and then they're stuck with an empty just like I am right <laughs> <laughs> well, not just stuck, not just stuck with an empty. They're they're, they're stuck with a, a a box with a yeah. hole in the side. No, I, I was looking at container homes for a while. I I think they look cool, um, but a lot of the complaints I've seen is, is they're just first of all, it's a giant it's a giant metal hot box. So they're like yeah. really hot in the summer, really cold in the winter. Anyone that's been up in like North Dakota in in a cab of a semi knows that <laughs> that metal gets cold. It doesn't matter how hot you got the heat running. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people don't know how to do home construction you know how to the put in the studs to reinforce everything you know what even what type of insulation you need to use in that situation you know you like you said that metals get hot hot in summer cold in the winter you'd have to use like a r9 foam to be able to hold that back i mean regular mm-hmm. regular house insulation like r19 is ain't gonna cut it yeah, and that's all taking away, you know, volume inside the box. So now you're, by the time you get it to where it needs to be, you've got, you know, eighty percent less of you'll the lose available four space inside on each the box. Side. Yeah, and it gets pretty small Ooh. on those things. Oh my goodness! So, Sadea, what's next for Pink Transportation? Oh, you know what? It's just to continue, continue to fight for advocacy, and um, I definitely want to 
do something with some children, you know, coming up uh, for either Halloween or, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas. Um, I really am thinking about maybe like a truck or treat where we just like, you know, have our semis Mm, in a a very large area and the kids can come through and just get candy from our trucks and it could just, you know, take pictures in our semis. I think it'll be super cool. I do love a good pun. Or about a haunted house, get a get a trailer and uh, set it up. In oh a man, that would be that would be so fun. But I, I wouldn't know how to do that out of a trailer because it's like me neither. I, I one, just like one the way idea. in, but then <laughs> no way out. Yeah, like a refrigerated trailer with a side door. Oh, you know that that could work yeah, as maybe. well. All right, well uh, you've been very generous with your time, uh, Rooster. You want to ask anything else before we uh, sign off? Uh, I think I'm pretty good there. You know, we learned a lot from Sedaya today, and you know it's going to be. Uh, very interesting time in the ports here coming up, uh, coming into the fall, you know, starting uh, the fall stocking season, you know, get ready for the holidays. You know, we're already seeing Halloween stuff and uh, s- some Thanksgiving freight coming in. So it's uh, going to be a very interesting time when it, things heat up. Yeah, and I'm also looking forward to seeing what you guys do next with uh, Truckers Movement for Justice. We'll definitely keep you guys, you know, in tune with everything that we're doing. And I'm so grateful for you guys having me on. <laughs> Anytime, anytime. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. That being said, I'm James Rooster Bowen. I'm here with Justin Super Trucker Martin and Sedea Morris of Pink Transportation. And I guess we'll be catching you guys down the road next week. 